With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is Johanna Carroll, and our show is Dialogue with Divinity. I am so thrilled because today we're going to be talking about the wisdom of the elders, and we have an amazing guest, Cynthia Ruiz. She's an author, professor, inspirational speaker, and a leadership expert. She's received over 50 accolades and awards for her leadership and service to the city of Los Angeles. She was the Los Angeles City Commissioner, overseeing a multi-billion dollar pension portfolio for city employees. She's the author of two books. Her most recent book is Cherokee Wisdom, 12 Lessons for Becoming a Powerful Leader and Finding Sane Relationships in a Crazy World, which we can all use help with. <laughs> One of the things I love about Cynthia is that she's walked with some amazing notables on this earth. She appeared in Discover the Gift with the, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Michael Bernard Beckwith, and Jack Canfield. And Cynthia, one of the things that um, I so love about you is that your wonderful culture of being a Latina and part of the Cherokee uh, tribal culture, and you've got so much wisdom to share with us today. I, I don't know if an hour is going to be enough. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Well, first of all, Johanna, I just have to say thank you very much. And I won't forget your name because your name is the same as my mother's name. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. Right? I know. So in the inter- Go ahead. I'm sorry. But interesting enough, my mom decided not to use Johanna. She used her middle name, which is Colleen. But I always said, why didn't you use Johanna? Because that's such a beautiful, powerful name. But she chose not. she chose not to use it. Can you imagine that? Well, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a little girl, my my birth name is actually Joanne, but my mother always called me Lady Johanna. She always, she just called me that. And then when I was working in corporate America and they published a directory of all the departments, they printed my name as Johanna. So I said, you know, I need to do something about this. And then I did some research and I found out in Hebrew, it means gift from God. So I think that's wonderful that your mother and I have this name in common that we sort of never used for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sound, as they say, is the first law of creation. So I wanted to talk about, for those of you that are listening, we are going to talk about Cynthia and all her accomplishments in this amazing book. And I also, we will be talking in the second segment about Standing Rock in North Dakota and what's going on because it's a really historical event. So I know that in your work, You mentioned fear as one of the obstacles of really asserting leadership. And, you know, how do you suggest that people overcome fear, not just professionally, but personally, because there's such an excess of emotion on the earth right now. What are your thoughts on that? Well, fear is a very powerful emotion. And we all experience fear in our lives. Sometimes fear, it's a fear of the unknown, Mm -hmm. uh, fear of failure. But the opposite of that is fear of success. So fear comes in a duality. And so the best way to overcome it is just walk through it. I know that sounds simple and it's very difficult, but a lot of times we hold our own self back from becoming our magnificent self 
by letting the fear get in the way. So the opposite, you know, of fear is um, confidence. So just having confidence in yourself. And, you know, I teach uh, leadership on a graduate level in the corporate, and I've been in the corporate world. And what we'd use as a tool in the corporate world is a SWOT analysis, strengths, opportunities, threats, and weaknesses. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I tell people, use that tool in your personal life. Sit down and you realize the fear that you have is a lot of times unjustified. So fear, sometimes you just, you know, got to walk through it. And once you get to the other side, you say, you know what? The fear was really not that justified because most of the fear is in our head. Well, I know in the Christian tradition, there's this wonderful teaching about, you know, Jesus being on the mountaintop and then the devil tempting him and, you know, he telling him to go away. But I think the metaphysical teaching is that when we really look fear in the in the face, it it has it does disappear it dissipates you know it doesn't have that dominion or power and i love the fact that you're saying we walk through the fear so in terms of your own professional career and you have this wonderful dual ancestry ancestry has it helped you or hindered you i mean fear sometimes is a great teacher too right well i have to say i'm so today i'm so grateful for my, my dual ancestry I say that I get my passion for life and my love for music from my Latina side, but I get my spirituality and love for Mother Nature from my Native side. Mm. But I have to say, growing up, I didn't really appreciate having the two cultures because Mm -hmm. I would go with my Native friends and didn't feel like I fit in, and then I would go with my Latino friends and didn't 100% fit in. So I had to walk through my fear and realize I'm perfect just the way I am. We're all unique and different. So the acceptance of who I was helped me blossom into who I am today. And I had to walk through my fear, fear of being different, fear of not being accepted. Whatever fear I walked through, I just said, you know what? I'm going to do this. God has my back. I'm going for it. And (laughs) since then, I've been able to thrive, and I'm so grateful, and I'm so blessed, and I appreciate every blessing that I've received. Well, it sounds to me like you've not only walked through it, but you've walked way beyond it. So we're going to come back after a really short break. For those of you that are listening, we are speaking about Cherokee wisdom with Cynthia Ruiz. This is Johanna Carroll. For more information, you can go to my website at johannacarroll.com. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. 
Mastery of Shamanic Skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers a certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th. Registration deadline is September 12th. Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. everybody and welcome back. This is Johanna Carroll. Our guest today is Cynthia Ruiz. We're talking about her book, Cherokee Wisdom, 12 Lessons to Become a Powerful Leader. Cynthia, I've got a question for you. Do you feel that leadership and having a mission in life is one and the same thing? Or are these two separate things? I think it's really two separate things. I think that everybody has the ability to be a leader we're all leaders in our life from whether or not it's being a family member, being a parent, you're a leader there. We can be leaders at work. We can be leaders in our social circle. We all have the capability of being a leader. Now, having a mission, I think that everybody has a mission, but it, everybody has their own individual journey, and some people realize what their mission is, and other people it takes longer. So long story short, I believe it's not the same thing. What do you think? My feeling is that you have a huge responsibility as a leader. You know, you're a professor, you're out there teaching, you're definitely got a huge message with everything that you're doing. And I do feel that as a spiritual being, we have a responsibility to our soul to have our life have some value and serving the soul of ourselves, but serving the soul of others. I was listening to uh, one of the tribal leaders in Standing Rock, and he basically, I loved what he said. He said there's a lack of sane balance in leadership on the earth right now. And he obviously alluded to a lot of the greed and governmental things that are going on. And then what he did say that was so positive was all things of the natural world belong to sacred mother earth, which I know is very much a part of any indigenous culture, that wonderful commitment of a mission to preserve Mother Earth. So I do want to, first of all, today, officially, I read that they halted the construction that's going on at Standing Rock. So can we talk about that a little bit? Because it's such a prevalent topic right now. I have to tell you, as an outsider looking in, this, I feel, is a huge historical moment, not just for the the indigenous people on the earth and the tribal cultures, but everyone coming together. We've got such a talk about duality. We've got such a, you know, duality going on on the earth right now for political reasons. And then we see this beautiful coming together of people who are honoring mother earth and the soul of mother earth. So can you talk about that a little bit, not just from the Cherokee perspective of your culture, but that fiery Latina, I know she's got an opinion in there, too. <laughs> well, Johanna, thank you so much, first of all, for bringing up this topic, because this is something that I've been following for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple weeks ago, it actually turned violent, not on the part. And, and we don't call ourselves protesters. We call ourselves protectors, okay. protector of water and protector of the land. Mm -hmm. So it got violent, and to me, everything shifted inside of me. So I was all over social media on a daily basis trying to get the word out because mainstream media was not picking this up. I know. So, the, the, so that's the bad news, that um, the pipeline was going through the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe sacred mm -hmm. uh, land. Right. And um, interesting enough, there was a northern route for the same pipeline, and the town said, no, we don't want that. So all I saw of a that. they're like, go, yeah, go to the other area, which was sacred land. And so once, it, once the Native Americans, Indians in the, in, you know, all over the world, realized it was going to go through sacred land, it was actually a rallying cry. And now there's over 5,000 protectors that have come together. 
And so what's happened is now the mainstream media is barely starting to pick it up. But I want to give praise to both President Obama and Congress member Dr. Raul Ruiz. His mm-hmm. same last name as mine, no relation, mm-hmm. but he's a friend of mine. Because mm-hmm. as elected leaders, they stepped up to the plate. Both of them, President Obama, he halted the construction that was near the um, native land. And mm-hmm. Dr. Raul Ruiz, who is the ranking member in Congress on the committee that oversees Native American rights, he says he went and visited the site and he said, hold on, wait. I'm going to have a hearing before I allow the construction in this area. And it was interesting enough the way President Obama actually became informed of this. He was halfway across the world giving a speech, and a young student asked him about what was going on with Standing Rock. And, of course, he's a president. He doesn't know everything that's happening. So he goes, let me look into this. And once he looked into it, he said, oh, no. Because he had, ironically enough, visited this um, reservation, I think, several years ago. So he was familiar with the people. That's good. So, but the good news, I mean, the bad news is this is happening. The good news, sometimes adversity, you know, brings progress. And now you have all different people from different walks of life. The people from Black Lives Matters are being supportive. It's bringing these people together. And the power of social media, because this was really, it's happening through social media. And it's been a very powerful movement. And again, you know, I want it clear that the they're not protesters, they're protectors, and they're peaceful. They've come together with peace and prayer to, you know, really worship Mother Earth and have people realize that, you know, you can't just keep abusing, you know, Mother Nature and Earth, Mother Earth, and have a, a good positive end result. So what turned out to be adversity now is turning in to something very positive. And I'm so proud that so many people are coming together. So many people are donating through GoFundMe page. And uh, last I checked earlier today, they had already raised over um, 700000 on their GoFundMe page. That's fabulous. Yeah, that's for the sacred um, stone campground that all these people are coming Mm -hmm. together. So, you know, I just want to thank you for even talking about this. And the more that people talk about it, the more awareness is developed and the the whole movement grows. So thank you so much. Well, I think there's a larger, you know, we're talking about leadership and mission. And I do feel that there's an individual mission that we have, but I feel in a group consciousness And this year is considered to be the year of the community of unity, of brotherhood on the earth. I'm not sure a lot of people know that, but I'm reminding you of that right now. So what I want to say is that for those of you that are listening, you may not physically be able to go there. You have other ways of supporting it. Certainly financial would be great. If you're not able even to do that, you've got to ask yourself this question. How do you remember and honor Mother Earth? How do you honor the land that you're living on? And, you know, I don't care if you're in New York City in a 50-story high-rise, you're still part of the energy of that system of creation. So bring a small plant into your office. Go grab a handful of dirt. Go grab a rock. Go bring something of nature into your home, your office. This is something we should be showing our children, the respect for this. So I feel that energetically there's this beautiful concept that, as you said, from adversity, we are really learning the lesson of duality in the spiritual of community in 2016. So the fear is going through to the other side to this unionship of a lot of love, not only for Mother Earth, but for each other. And that, to me, is an even bigger mission because with a lot of the political situation that we've got, particularly in the States right now, there's been so much divisive energy. So there's, you know, you always think, well, this is what something represents, but it's always so much more than that. So I'd like to go back. So... Those of you that are listening and you don't really know what we're talking about, come on, get on social media. Just all you have to do is type in Standing Rock, North Dakota, Dakota Access, and you'll have all the information that you need. So God and Goddess bless the internet for that one. 
you talk a lot about um, corruption. There's corruption in leadership. And I, I guess I don't want to be judgmental because that's what not this show is about awareness, compassion, and understanding and wisdom. So we do have to look at the duality of the dark and the light. Do you think that having integrity is difficult for some people who are in positions of leadership? Absolutely. And um, I have been in situations where I've been a, a top leader. I was in charge of 5,000 people. And I developed what I called value-driven leadership. So if I made decisions based on my core values, I would never make a bad decision for me. And my core values are what I put in the book. There's 12 lessons that I've learned through the Cherokee tribe. And it's basic cultural values that most cultures have. Integrity is first and foremost. Mm -hmm. But the thing, and this is why I feel a lot of our leaders in, in the U.S. go wrong, the next one is humility. Be mm. humble. And what happens, I've seen it firsthand with elected officials, they surround themselves with yes people. True. And then they, it creates this like emperor has no clothes. Nobody wants to tell the person they're wrong. And mm -hmm. so their ego gets out of control. And then they, they're driven by their ego, not by their values. And that's where I think that they start making mistakes and they get into corruption. They, you know, they get all these vices come up, you know, women, drugs, uh, money, all this stuff, and they lose sight of why they're there or why people elected them there. They're not there to serve themselves. When we elect an elected official, they're there to serve the constituents. But what happens, they think they have to serve the people that give them money, the lobbyists, all these other outside influences rather than the constituents and set policy that's going to benefit everyone. Serving the people out of that core level. So that takes a lot of this. I know this is something else you speak about in your book. You know, and I have to tell you, I, the book, I know you're talking about leadership, but I also think you're talking about life skills as well. I, I yeah, really definitely. feel that this book, by the way, those of you who are listening, it's Cherokee Wisdom, 12 Lessons to Become a Powerful Leader. So any of these 12 lessons really can be applied to anything in your life. So going back to leadership, the whole concept of mental strength. I know in, in my world of metaphysics, I always say that we have a lower mind and a higher mind. We have the mind mm -hmm. of the ego, which sometimes we need. Sometimes we really do need that. And it's not necessarily always bad. And then we have the higher mind, which to me is higher consciousness, soul consciousness. It really belongs to the righteous path, if you will. And so the importance of having this mental strength, you've probably come up a lot, you know, through the ranks, not only as a woman, not that I'm being sexist here or anything, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, you're managing 5,000 people. That's huge. And so now you come against some of the, the diplomatic things that show up in any kind of a position at this level. How did you use mental strength in your own life? Not just in your pro professional career, but if you don't mind sharing something about your personal life too. Well, I have to say I come from very humble beginnings. My mm -hmm. start was my parents divorced when I was very young and my family was actually on welfare. So I okay. started on you know welfare and then um, through uh, my own mental strength, I was able to be the first person in my family to go to college. Beautiful. I graduated from um, with my master's by the time I was 23, so I had the mental strength, but it came from adversity because my high school counselor told me not to go to college, that I should go get married and have kids like all my other friends. Oh, my so gosh. I said, <laughs> I, I said, yeah, I want to do that, but I was determined. I said, I, I need to get this degree because I knew that that was the way that I was going to have a voice because I had gone through so much adversity and I didn't want that for my family. I wanted to, to really be strong and keep going. So, Okay, I you know what? We're going to hold that thought about adversity and finding your voice and we'll be right back. Music 
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7, 365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. everybody. Welcome back. This is Johanna Carroll. Our guest today is Cynthia Ruiz, and we're talking about her new book, Cherokee Wisdom, 12 Lessons to Become a Powerful Leader. And we're talk- speaking about a lot more than that. So <laughs> Cynthia, we were talking about, we could talk for hours. We're talking about finding your voice. And so here you are, you know, I don't know if it's specific just to you, but I can tell you growing up on the East Coast in the 60s, I had the same thing. You're supposed to go to college, find a husband, get married, have children, have your house. I didn't really do that. <laughs> I mean, I did some of the I did some of those things, but I I questioned it. You know, it's kind of like when I was a little kid sitting in church and the priest would say, God says this and God would say that. And I remember I was 10 years old and I'd say, 
that's not true. God doesn't say that. <laughs> so I had a voice. I had a smart voice, as my mother would say, <laughs> at a young age. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I did. So you found your voice and you said, I'm going to do it differently. How did you do it differently? So you went to college, you got your master's degree. And then what well, happened? I got my master's degree. And then I kept going no matter what, because I believe that anything's possible. I believe that anything's possible. If you believe it's possible, you do the work and you never give up. So I kept going no matter what. And that's where the mental strength comes in. And what helps me in my daily life is prayer and meditation. So I say that prayer is talking to God and meditation Mm -hmm. is listening. And that's Ah, what works for me. And that's what gives me my mental strength, spiritual strength to keep going. And I was talking about being in charge of 5,000 people. Well, I was running the public works department for the city of Los Angeles, which is a male-dominated industry. And so there was many times that I was the only woman in the room. Mm. So what did I have to do? I had to work harder than anybody else. I had to prepare more. I just had to really make sure that I was, I brought my A A game Mm because I knew that all the men around me were hoping that I would fail. So you really had to prove, did you feel you had to prove yourself? Absolutely. Even though I was a boss, I still, you know, had to prove myself. But you know what? I am proud because I kept going no matter what. Well, I have read a lot of things that people have said about you on Facebook and whatnot. You are loved by many people. You really are. Not just loved, but you're honored. So obviously, that leap of faith, which I always think faith is a belief in yourself above all else. You know, we have to believe in ourselves and the God-given leadership skills and mission in life. And obviously, you took that. And so obviously, did it work? work for you or do you feel that you still had to try harder all the time um i think i got to a point where people realized who i was as a person because one of the things i talk about in the book is lead by example when you're a leader you need to lead by example you can't just tell people to do something and you do something else so i always try to every single day do my best and stay in a a field of gratitude and -hmm. know that if I lead by example and other people are watching, I want them to, you know, do what I'm doing. And and it's funny because I share something in the book. One day I was at um, a restaurant buying some food and there was a little girl behind me and her mom. They were standing behind me and I really didn't pay too much attention but there was a man in front of me that he looked like he kind of might have been homeless. He didn't have very much money, and he was paying with pennies. Aww. So what ended up happening, he didn't. He was short. So I didn't think twice about it. You know, I got out a couple dollars and sure. gave him a few. Do- you know, gave it to the the cashier. Well, what I didn't realize, the little girl behind me had watched what I had done. So she went to her mom and said, can I have a dollar? And her, and her mom was watching what was going on. She gave her a dollar, and she went to the man and said, I hope this helps you. Oh, that's so, so sweet. You know, and that's the thing. I, we have to lead by example no matter how little the act is. And sometimes it's a collective group of little acts that really make the difference. So I want to go back. You were speaking about meditation and prayer, which is a huge part of my life. If I didn't have prayer and I didn't have meditation, I'm not sure I could survive some of the stuff (laughs) that goes on. And I do feel, I was just speaking to a friend about this the other day. How do people navigate life now without a belief in a higher power? I, I would find that really hard on some level. I'm not necessarily saying religion. It's just a belief in what we're talking about you know, Mother Earth, we're talking about a belief in ourselves, faith in ourselves, our ability to to have goals and, and achieve them. It takes an inner strength. In metaphysics, we say that meditation is the divine feminine expressing herself, and prayer mm. is the divine masculine. So the divine masculine is the active principle, sound, talking out loud, asking, going, outside. And the divine feminine is, so one is external and one is internal. 
And so when we go within to hold that light, to hold that space, we are receiving. So one is giving and one is receiving. So the example that I like to use for people is you're walking into a dark room and you just flipped on the light switch, divine masculine, the action of turning on the light. Yet when this light floods the whole room and it warms you and you have awareness and you can see now you're in the divine feminine. So I think we need both, don't you? Both prayer and meditation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you do have to have both in your life. And um, I have found that once I added the meditation piece, because I've always prayed, and actually in my book at the end of it, I have a prayer that I wrote. So I attend uh, this place called Agape International Spiritual Center in Los Angeles. I love it. Love it. Yeah. I read Michael Bernard Beckwith. So Mm -hmm. I've taken classes there, and I actually took a prayer class. And, you know, I thought I knew how to pray, but actually it helped me take my prayer to a whole different level and our final exam was to write a prayer and at first I questioned it I'm like I can't write a prayer who am I to write a prayer (laughs) so I went into meditation came out and this beautiful prayer came out like I said it's in the book and I realized that who am I why shouldn't I not be able to write a prayer you know it's just my way of communicating with spirit and everybody has the ability to do so I think it's a question, I've spoken about this on other radio shows, but I'll share it with you. I'm sure you can relate to this. The theme of our show is Dialogue with Divinity, and Dialogue with Divinity is also the name of one of my books. But when I was probably, I don't know, very young, I started, as I said before, I'd be sitting in church and I'd be questioning a lot of things. And then I started to sing in a folk mass with a group. I was raised Catholic. And I remember saying to the priest, I know I can talk to God. That was my prayer. I could pray, but I wanted God to answer me. And that was my meditation. And so I said, so you're a priest. Um, Does God talk to you? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, and what about the nuns? Does God talk to the nuns? Yeah. And I I said, well, you know, that's really not fair. (laughs) That's not fair because you, if you know how to do that, you need to teach the congregation how to do that. Of course, you know, there's other political things around that as well. So I was very frustrated because I had this burning desire literally to have this dialogue with divinity. Many years later, many years later, on a beach in Ensenada, Mexico, God did start speaking to me. So I have the dialogue. It's never stopped. And this conversation is part of that dialogue as well. And I think it's really important for people to to be humble in your prayer and also be confident that you will get the answers. They may not happen in a nanosecond, but if you watch life, life will give you the answer. So one of my teaching is that we should be a walking prayer and a walking meditation at all times. Well, yeah, life does give you the answers, but you have to be careful what questions you ask. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) Be careful what you ask for. So, um, you, I know, have dedicated a big portion of your life to working with young girls. Would you share with us, that is an incredible um, mission that you have, leadership mission with these young girls. So can you tell us a little bit about that? So for the last decade, I've been involved with a program called Girls Today, Women Tomorrow, which is a mentorship leadership program. This is focused on young Latinas in the inner city in Los Angeles. These young girls have so much adversity in their life. And what we do is we spend time with them. We do workshops on healthy eating, on how to be a leader. We do Mm. all this work with them. And you know what? I have seen these timid young women, young girls, blossom into amazing young women that go on to college, that become leaders in their community. And for me, I didn't really have role models growing up. I was Mm -hmm. like a trailblazer because blazing through the things that I didn't know how to handle. And so if I can turn around and make it easier for someone else, 
then I am happy and fulfilled. And I actually just saw this one young girl last week that she started, I started working with her when she was a freshman in high school and she was mortified. She was terrified. She didn't have any friends. She was lonely. Aww. And she says, oh, you know, she goes, I don't have any friends. I'm so sad. We were hiking, out hiking because I love Mother Nature. We're hiking. And I told her, I said, well, you know what? Let's, I, if you talk to people first, they'll talk to you back. And she goes, they will. I said, let's test this out. So we're hiking. I didn't tell her that people that are hiking are <laughs> traditionally friendlier. And That's she started, true. She, yeah, she counted, and 53 people, when she told them good morning, <gasps> they responded to her, oh, and only three people oh. didn't. So she remembered that. So last I week bet. when I saw her, she goes, I remember the first time I met you. She, and <laughs> now she's a freshman in college. She said, so she came back to me after, maybe a few weeks after uh, we had done that little test when we were hiking, and mm-hmm. she says, I have friends now. I have friends. People are talking oh. to me because I went up and talked to them. That's so wonderful. So little things like, yeah, little That's things true. like that that we don't even think of, they can change somebody's life. So if I can help these young girl blo- girls blossom and go to college, that makes me happy. You know, I remember when I was in corporate America, I, I had a department that I ran, a lot of females, and I remember saying to them once, nobody ever told you girls how smart you are. Do you know how smart you really are? They all looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, mm-hmm. you're really smart. You're really smart. And so I think it's good to acknowledge that. So, Cynthia, where do you want people that are listening to uh, go? First of all, your website, and where can they order the book? Sure. So my website is my name, Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-M-R-U-I-Z.com, CynthiaMRuiz.com. That's my website. I'm all over social media. I'm on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. But the easy thing to do is you can just go on Amazon.com, put in my name, and my book comes up right away. So you know, you, I you, have Kindle, paperback. You are. I found you everywhere. I just want to say <laughs> social media is your best friend. <laughs> the universe is providing very nicely. It's been so nice having you as one of, I do consider you to be a wisdom you know, keeper and a protector, not only of the earth, but of a lot of sacred teachings as well. So those of you that are listening, go buy the book. She has another book too. Maybe we'll have you back to talk about that another time. (laughs) But I really want to thank you so much. It's been a joy. And for all of you that are listening, this is Johanna Carroll, Dialogue with Divinity. I'm sending you all a big heart hug. Bye for now. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune in to Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with Spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. 
No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming, 24-7-365. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. What happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Hi, everybody. You know, today, I guess, is just all about divine timing. Do you all know what divine timing is? 
<laughs> Guess what? We've got more time with Cynthia. So I'm really happy to, I know I said goodbye to you, but I'm saying hello again. So Cynthia, I'm so glad that we've got more time to talk. You talked about the prayer that when you were doing your program with Agape, which by the way, I've been there. It's, it's, oh my gosh, it's just, you walk in there and you feel like you're in heaven and you took <laughs> the course and you became a professional prayer writer, I guess. <laughs> Do you feel it came from your soul, your intuition? Were you meditating on it? What's the process that you use? Because a lot of people call and say, Do you have a prayer for me? That's easy to do, but it would be so nice if people could learn how to co-create with spirit, that prayer that's so uniquely theirs. So, yes. So what I did is I did meditate and what I was given a prayer by my ancestors. And Mm. so when I talk about my Cherokee roots, and I am a registered member of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. And um, so when I sat down and meditated, this prayer came to me, and when I said it out loud, I cried because I knew Aww. that it touched my spirit. I knew it was coming from my ancestors, and I knew that I was gifted this prayer. And I thought, wow, that's so special. So, yes, I wrote it, but I don't take credit for it. <laughs> if that well, makes sense. No, it, well, it totally makes sense for me because when people are calling me for spiritual counseling, it's not – I'm just a messenger, I feel. You know, I'm just the – I call myself, uh, you know, the mouthpiece for the divine on some level. So any kind of information that I'm getting to help people is being channeled through me. I'm just a vehicle. And so you, I'm not saying that you're not important because we love you. (laughs) (laughs) But I would like, are you okay with sharing the prayer? Absolutely. I know it's in your book. I am. Should I, I'm just going to get quiet for a minute because I'd like to get to that space and that place with you. So please share. Sure. So I just want everybody, all our listeners, to take a deep breath, clear your mind. Here we go. Great spirit, creator, who I call God, I humbly stand before you to praise you, for you are I and I am you. I welcome you into my heart, body, and soul. Great spirit, God, creator of all, Grant me the wisdom to follow my inner voice, the strength to stay grounded while I sing my sacred song. Guide me down my chosen path with the courage to pursue what is available to me. Great Spirit, God, creator of all, allow me to receive the infinite possibilities of the universe. I'm appreciative for my lessons, yet grateful for the struggles. I am comforted by the wonderful people you have placed in my life. Great Spirit, God, Creator of all, I honor Mother Earth for the gifts she provides, the fertile soil that provides our daily food, and the gift of water is the essence of life. Open my heart to the healing of nature. We are all related, and through this I find serenity. Great Spirit, God, Creator of all, may I never stop being a beneficial presence on this planet. Work through me to carry the message of peace and unconditional love. I am complete having you in my life. Great Spirit, God, Creator of all. Amen. Oh, <laughs> you're good. I know a little bit about your language. You know, I lived in I lived in Sedona for Sedona, Arizona. I was really called there, and I love Sedona. Oh, uh, I lived there on and off for twelve years. I wrote two of my books there. I was on a few television specials about spirituality, which were filmed there, and. I have to say, one of the most profound things, the week after I arrived, I I don't feel that there's any accidents. I feel that there's divine intention and everything. And I met um, a Navajo, and I said, I don't want to go to the tourist places, but I can you are you okay with showing me where the elders, where we where I could find where I can 
communicate or connect or have a dialogue with divinity with the elders. And we went on this hike and he took me to this huge open field and there were all these mountains in the, the back. And as I was walking, I had this vision of all these elders just sitting, you know, on the horses and looking down. They were there. They were absolutely there. I had the visual. They were there. Well, maybe was, they were there. Oh, they, I feel that they were there. <laughs> the spirit in spirit, right? In spirit, yes. And in the hologram. So it was it was really an active meditation. The walk itself was a form of meditation and prayer. And then we sat at the base of this mountain. And I've never felt so much power and wisdom. And the presence was so intense. So I felt that I was really given a great blessing on my chosen path, which you mentioned in your prayer, because sometimes you don't know what your path really is supposed to be. And, you, you know, I always say, okay, God, just show me, but look, make sure that my eyes are wide, wide open so I can see the, you know, where you want me to go. But you also talk about this inner voice. So I always say that your intuition is the telephone line to the divine, and that's the inner voice. And I wonder... So I felt very blessed with that experience, extremely blessed. And I was, you know, I was originally from the East Coast. So being exposed to this was just fabulous for me, something that I never, ever thought I would experience. And then, you know, life goes on, et cetera, et cetera. And do you think that people really do honor their inner voice on a daily basis? Sometimes I see it. I think there's a desire to do it, but I think going back to the thing we talked about in the beginning, a lot of people are really afraid to tap into that and to their authentic, what I would call the authentic self. What do, what do you think? By the way, thank you for the prayer. Very profound. So beautiful. You're welcome. And I think that a lot of people uh, do listen to their inner voice. And I think some don't, but it, life is a journey. So everybody learns things in their own time. But I always tell people when I'm speaking is that how many times did you know something was wrong for you because your inner voice told you and you did mm -hmm. anyway. And then yep. you realized after I should have listened. So I think it's it's kind of counterintuitive for most people. That's it's true. Like, wait, you know, it's it's not scientific and, and, you know, they don't understand it. So I have found for me personally by listening to my inner inner voice, it's never guided me wrong, ever. Mm -hmm. So I wish more people li listen to the inner voice. But I think, as you talked about 2016, I, I feel, even though there's a lot of adversity out there, that I feel there's a whole level of consciousness rising. And like-minded people are coming together, supporting each other, like we talked about with the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Mm -hmm. A lot of energetically a lot of people are uniting for the positive you know the only media shows you the negative but there's a lot well, of positive I think out there for myself i dip in and out of it just so i have some awareness but to be really honest with you i don't stay on tv too long one of the things that i have found though is that even in hollywood i have quite a few clients in hollywood there's a real undercurrent of spirituality and science really marrying one another. It's kind of the divine marriage. And I really do think that we may not see it, and it may not be as blatant as what's going on in Standing Rock. You know, it may not have that notoriety. So people on an individual level, just that one little change, as you call it, that shift in consciousness, can really take you to a better place. I want to thank you once again. I'm going to say goodbye a second time. You see, you really weren't supposed to go. That was the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's never, never goodbye until next time. No, we never say goodbye. We say au revoir like we do in French. So we <laughs> hope to see you again. And again, Cynthia's book, again, is all about Cherokee wisdom, 12 lessons for becoming a powerful leader, CynthiaMRuiz.com. And this is Johanna Carroll. You'll find me at JohannaCarroll.com. Hope to see you guys next time. And Cynthia, you've got to come back and talk about that second book. We'd love to have you in the future. Thank you. You have a beautiful day. Many blessings to everyone. Bye for now.